We're going. It's live. It live. It's hot. Whoa. episode yes welcome back to made me (laughs) we were singing carols all this week so we have to incorporate it why does it feel like we're not recording yeah i just feel like i'm (laughs) speaking to you in a very disjunct you were like we're recording i was like we're not recording (laughs) (laughs) yes we are okay we Uh, have to be on our best behavior today yeah because Papa Agnostian is listening. <laughs> I won't be uh, crass the way that I'm usually of crass. Of course not. It's fine. He he doesn't care about crassness, actually. I yeah. think he maybe finds it endearing. Well, I'll confirm when I go home. I'll ask him. We'll say like less. Oh, yeah. That's definitely... Just take that away from your vocabulary for today's yeah. episode. No yeah. likes, no ums. I definitely won't you be able to, to do that. You have to coherent streams of consciousness. I think I say like every third word when I listen back to the podcast. Like when <laughs> there like, it is. Like, like. <laughs> um, yeah, when I listen back to the podcast, I'm always uh, quite surprised by how often I use that word. Me too. It's just there. It's I know. I've present. really been trying to be conscious about it because it just means that you're thinking. I agree. And I like don't think um before <laughs> I, don't I speak have a brain. i think as i speak right so i start a sentence and then i'm you, d- you have like, no oh, idea I... which direction it's gonna go you're just kind of improvising as we go yeah i feel like it's such a faux pas in podcasting <laughs> to call out like uh an idiosyncrasy that you might I have know. in your speech pattern because everyone's gonna notice it because everyone's gonna listen and be like wow they just didn't like, like... <laughs> Um, I counted it right there. It is one forty-nine, one forty-four. Yeah, <laughs> on a Saturday afternoon, Dan is about to get on a on a, a plane, big old plane, a big old plane, <laughs> to big old BC. Back back to the motherland. Yeah, I'm. I don't want to go on an airplane, not because of COVID, just because I hate the amount of time it takes to fly on an airplane. I mean, it's the fastest way to get anywhere. I know, but it's just sitting <laughs> there. The also, sitting, is. just the prospect of, once again, sitting on a plane for five hours with a mask on. True. Really makes me want to dive deep into the deep end yeah. of the pool. Detonate the best. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I haven't flown with COVID yet, so I'm excited it's for my experience definitely not next week. that crazy. I don't know. Yeah. I like that we chose... Um, like really the worst the worst couple weeks of Toronto's covid to to fly on out of here <laughs> super spreaders across 
across British the nation. Columbia. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stop in Calgary too. Yeah, yeah, me too. Oh my god, we're both I'm stopping so in Calgary. Go to Calgary. Me too. Land of the free, home of the brave. <laughs> oh god. Um, um, I've never been to. I've never been further in Canada than I think it's Toronto. Like I, I, I've never been to the West Coast. I've never been to... Really? I thought you went once. No. Briefly. Like, uh, as a layover or something. Oh, I... Al... Is Alberta a prairie? Yeah. Okay. I haven't been... Well, I haven't been to Alberta. I haven't been to... I haven't been to a prairie. Saskatchewan. Place... Like, I've been... Obviously, I've had layovers. Yeah. I've had layovers, but I don't think I've ever been in the prairie provinces. I've never explored. I've heard it's really interesting. I'm sure. Yeah. No, I'm serious. Yeah, I would. I want to go to Saskatchewan. Everyone, I feel like Saskatchewan has a bad rap, and everyone is like. I think it's the name. It's yeah, but apparently name. it's one of the coolest places ever. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, TripAdvisor says so. Saskatoon. That's, I want to. Why would you not want to go? City? <laughs> it's better than Edmonton <laughs> or Calgary. Sounds like a cartoon about a Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> But apparently it's like an art like hub. Apparently, yeah, I know that's what I've heard too. A lot of like orchestra players who were in. Sorry to anyone who's from Saskatoon. Yeah, sorry. I I do. I'm sure it's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, but I I also think Toronto is a ridiculous name. Sorry. Yeah, I I agree. I I also think Toronto is a ridiculous name. Toronto just reminds me of Totoro from the Hayao Miyazaki films. I just always associate Toronto oh. and Totoro. I don't know what that is. Sorry, you refuse to watch an animated Japanese film? No, I, okay. I watch it. I just don't like... Okay. How many times have I proposed to watch a Japanese film? You're always like, film? let's watch Howl's Moving Castle. And I'm like, I... It's so good. I'm like, okay. I don't know. I just... I feel like... I've seen Spirited That's Away. <laughs> you're just contradicting yourself. I've seen Spirited Away, and I really liked it, but it terrified me as a kid. Yeah, but Howl's Moving Castle isn't as scary as Spirited Away. It's fine. Why are they scary? <laughs> He's not scary. Howl is hot. Why That's... does... Like, as a child, I, I was watching these... these his, her parents become, like, pigs, and I was like, what <laughs> is going on? I was so scared like oink oink yeah <laughs> scary i was like it was like it was like wally <laughs> wally's cute it's sad though i like wally um yeah um, no saskatoon is fine i've heard a lot of orchestral orchestral friends of mine have told me that the when they went there for some summer program or whatever it was really fun mm-hmm. and apparently there were it was an art hub and there was a lot to do in terms yeah. of the artists and that sort of culture. It sounds really fun. So mm-hmm. I would like to go. I've always wanted to do a trip through Canada. Yeah, I want to do a road trip. Yeah. Should we? I can't drive. You would I, have to I'll, drive the I'll whole have way. To drive. Okay, we'll have to find another person who drives. So then you'll just be like the useless limb. Honestly, um, the more and more that I... Um, more and more that I don't get my license... <laughs> Uh, the more powerful I feel. <laughs> um, really? I yeah, like, I, I feel equally powerless and powerful. I think that's, like, the only position in which you can feel both powerful and powerless at the same time. Yeah. I'm sure that I could figure out a car if I, like, sat in it. I've, okay, one time my dad, um, took me and my sister to a parking lot in Canada, and we drove the car. 
friend, I was talking to him about it recently, and he told me that he was like, oh, um, you were quite good at it. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I'm sure I wasn't. I think my sister was a better driver. <laughs> you just have a natural talent of yeah. grasping onto the wheel, <laughs> taking yeah. it for a ride. I mean, I don't know. It just, it, it's, I don't it know. comes... It's kind of scary. Cars are scary. I think cars Mm -hmm. are scary. They are kind of scary. That's why I refuse to drive in Toronto. Yeah, Toronto especially. It's just... I also... You're asking to Why would I buy a car? That's true. Could you even afford a car? No. Mm -mm. Um, Um, But I'm excited to sit in a car with you. Because I've never been in a car with you to, like... It's really fun. It's like watching a dog walk on its hind legs. Everyone thinks I'm a horrible (laughs) driver. I think I'm a good driver. I feel like you're probably a good driver if you're wearing your glasses. I always wear my glasses when I drive. Okay, good. I never not. I never don't wear my glasses when I drive. No, that's good. That's good. So. Are you gonna get contacts? Yeah, probably in twenty twenty one when my benefits renew and I can Ugh, work. Get those contact lenses into my eyeballs. Are they gonna get orthotics? Really? Yeah. I don't know. My my foot doctor was like. You don't like need them, need them, but you I mean, probably get if you them. have bad knees or bad feet, you should just get them. I just think Blundstones are not made for walking. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> These shoes are not made for walking. But like podiatrists always recommend the ugliest shoes. Yeah, I would want that like, are recommended inserts. as good walking shoes. You can just get inserts. Yeah, but yeah. inserts aren't meant to be used with flat shoes. You're supposed to wear inserts in addition to supportive runners or supportive oh. shoes. That's the entire point. That's how it works. So it's not like you can get one or the other. It's like you have to use them both in order for it to like really work. So I've pretty much just accepted the fact that my feet will have bunions and will be flat for the rest of my life. I just like, I think you could probably MacGyver. I'm sorry. I'm um, a woman. I have to wear nice shoes. Yeah, of course. No, I, I do think that it's <laughs> it's logical to um, ruin your feet to wear nice shoes. Like, that, yeah. I mean that seriously. I won't have to walk when I'm 90. <laughs> I can just wheel around. I've always, like, wondered why I couldn't just MacGyver a, a, an insole out of something at home. Because uh, all you have to do is, like, like, lift the lift the the arch of the foot, right? If you right. have a fallen arch. So just, like, put something under the arch to lift yeah, it. Yeah, but it has to be molded to the shape of your foot accurately. So I guess that's why they plaster your feet up it's actually fun when they make them clay or something yeah it's fun i feel like i break my foot and then they like are plastering my foot i really don't like going to the foot doctor i haven't been since 2017 i think so it's been a while (laughs) she told me to come back and i never did sorry it's really weird and you're like sit on this chair and then the chair like lifts so your feet are at like face level with them Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like very weird i don't enjoy it at all <laughs> also ever since like i the foot doctor that i usually go to i don't actually i've gone like twice but um they always give you free muffins when you leave that's so sweet and with covid you don't get no the free, free muffins. muffins so there's like no point in going yeah how are you supposed <laughs> to like go to your 8 a.m foot appointment and not have a muffin afterwards have, like, you like coffee. starve yourself they before you this, went it's like a little breakfast that's like, so sweet up. i love and you that you can't anyway I just think COVID has ruined so many things, yeah, and that's one of them. It's okay. <laughs> um, should we get into the album oh, this shit, week? Yeah, let's get into the album. Um, it's been 11 minutes of dilly-dallying about our Sorry. <laughs> so it's, that is, you know, there is an, there's an audience for that somewhere. Right. Someone's going to really enjoy that for a talk. <laughs> um, they feel heard. <laughs> um, okay, well, 
Why don't you give a little intro? Sure. Okay, so this week we we set foot, <laughs> no pun intended, Awful. and asked my dear father for an album recommendation, um, which I mentioned in last week's episode. Um, and I have to preface this by saying in the last episode, I introduced the Steely Dan album as Katie Lead. Um, because I undeservedly had my German brain really on. Embarrassing for you. <laughs> I don't speak a lick so of German. <laughs> so it's not Katie Lead, like, but rather Katie Lead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so it's not Katie Lead, but rather Katie Lied by Steely Dan. Very different meaning. Very different meaning. Very different people. They're not German. <laughs> So thank you, oh God, Dad, imagine. for recommending this album. Um, so and this album came out in 1975, by the way. So we're we're taking it back. We asked the older <laughs> generation, and this is what we got. I was like, Diana, we need to like speak to someone who has um, a con- <laughs> who like can conceptualize music before 2008. You know, yeah, I was like, just listening to Doja Cat, who I love. No, I love. I love. Well, okay. Well, here's the thing. Um, I thank your father for this recommendation because I literally don't <laughs> listen to any rock music. Oh, really? I think Elton John is probably the closest I come right. to Right. My dad music. loves Elton as yeah, well, Elton's so it's great. kind of all in the same. Was, this was very Elton. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. What are your initial thoughts? Because I've, as my father's daughter, have had exposure to Steely Dan before. Oh, really? Yeah, but. Um... I'm sure sh- you probably didn't. I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard a Steely Dan song. Okay. I know that's really embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. It's um, <laughs> I haven't listened to any Steely Dan. Um, this was, yeah. So also our processes for this podcast are like in preparing for this podcast are very different. So Diana has like, how many times did you listen to it? I think I listened to it about like five times. Wait, actually? Yeah, but it's just cause I really enjoyed it. Okay. Wow. I listened to it <laughs> two times two hours ago. Yeah, but I listened to it like five times throughout the week. <laughs> yeah. So, to really let it marinate, settle in. It's fine. We have a different process yeah, and we have that's a okay. Process. Um, but <laughs> so, okay, my initial thoughts were I really liked it. I felt like, um, well, it was really different from anything I'd heard, mm. but it also had, it shared a lot of similarities with, um, with stuff like Elton John and yeah. other rock music that I've heard, like Queen. I guess I've listened to Queen, which is rock music. Yeah. I don't know. Rock to me is this big, like, kind of, like, nebulous genre umbrella yeah. term. They're I have all no scary. idea, like, what falls <laughs> under rock. But, um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was musically interesting, but I was more fascinated by the, <laughs> the lyrical content. I thought it was really... I yeah. did a lot of reading this morning. I was like, what does this mean? Like, yeah. how many how many veiled allusions to cocaine can you make in one <laughs> album? So many, 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 many. Many, many veiled allusions to cocaine. Um, Thanks, Walter and Donald. Yeah, Walter and Donald. What about you? What were your first thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I've never fully listened to a Steely Dan album, like, front to back. So yeah. even though I've had previous exposure to their music and I know a few songs here and there um I feel like this was the first time I actually got to sit down and really be immersed in their sound um and 
I, I knew, I, I think I told you this. I was like, when I, before I asked my dad, I told you, I was like, he's definitely going to give us a Steely Dan album. <laughs> I just knew it from the bottom of my heart that he was going to give us a Steely Dan album. And he did. Wait, he, so what other Steely Dan stuff have you listened to? Um, So there's this other, they have another album called Aha. I don't know if that's like how you, it's AJA. Oh, um. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm scared of. I'm, I know I'm scared of it mispronouncing it again. So Afro-Cuban. I'm just gonna spell it out. A J A, but Aja. so there's Aja maybe. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, but so I know a few songs from there. I mean, Steely Dan for my parents was kind of like their the band that they listened to a lot together when they were like dating, which was is really cute. And it's I so feel cute. like yeah, I think that's why I have a really special connection with them. So. Yeah, I don't know. I think listening to it as an album for me was really interesting and lyrically looking into their words as well. Like, I think the biggest aspect of their words is their lyric, or the biggest aspect of their music is their lyricism. And -hmm. it's all about this kind of black humor, really like ironic, sarcastic tone that they provide. And I think that they pull it off in such a hilarious, but also really like successful and earnest way. Mm. Um, I don't know, you don't feel like you have to, like, cackle at the lyrics every time you listen to them, but, you know, you don't feel like you have to, like, take them super seriously as well, Mm -hmm. which I think is really nice. Um, And, yeah, I just think musically they're so interesting because, I mean, apparently when they first started, they had... So they started as a touring band in the 70s, and then I think in 1974, so, like, a few years after they the two of them, Donald Fagan and Walter Becker came together, they they decided that touring wasn't the ideal option for them. I think it had to do with the musicians that they worked with yeah. in the rest of the band. So they actually became a studio-only band for quite some time. So they wouldn't even tour. They would just create music and release it. So this album is like the first um, album I mean, that they released that was made with just it was just studio based yeah Yeah. it was like session musicians yeah yeah. so it was just the two of them yeah a bunch of guest artists and stuff and that's what they did like you know subsequently with the rest of their music i mean they broke up in 81 i think and then later on in the 90s they came back together um to where they later on released more albums but even then they never used the same session musicians or session players Mm. they always like rotated through people and so there are a lot of other musicians i think michael mcdonald worked on one album with them like two against nature or something Mm. that was the one that they released in the 90s so they have a lot of these really prominent musicians who work with them and it's just so cool i mean i always have really enjoyed the idea of musicians who don't necessarily tour but they still create really great quality music from Mm their studios or I guess now in modern day people do that from their bedrooms literally and I just think it's so cool to have this option where you know you don't necessarily have to perform it live in front of an audience but you're still able to curate for a large range of people who are still such avid listeners like I still know people who are only a few years older than me and who absolutely love Steely Dan um, my sister's boyfriend, for example, like mm. is only a few years older than me, but he can talk about them mm. to no end. Like it's it's just amazing. So people are so fascinated by them, and they still continue to be. Um, but yeah, I just think in that regard, they just they provide such a new sound to music, and I think it's still so prevalent. And a lot of people, 
I, I was just gonna say that to me like a lot of Thundercats influences yeah, like I, I felt like he that, definitely yeah. drew a lot of inspiration I don't know if that's a fact but I'm sure he's listened to Steely Dan at some mm. point I just felt like I could draw a lot of comparisons between Steely Dan's earlier stuff and how Thundercat kind of transformed that into a more modern contemporary style I mean even the um, production and recording process mm. is so different you know think about what it was like to record an album in 1974, right. 1975, compared to what it's like now to yeah. record an album. And the, I mean, the differences in sound quality, I'm not, it's not to say that things that are made now are, are uh, of a worse sound quality mm-hmm. by any means. I actually think there's so much technology that provides you with, with more, with, um, I guess, a, a more depth of sound, but you can hear like I was just listening to it on Spotify. I'd love to hear what it sounds Same. like on vinyl. I know I was thinking um, of buying a Dan vinyl. vinyl addiction. <laughs> oh no! Um, but yeah, it's it's so different when you hear that all the instrumentation has been recorded right live in these sessions. There is just like a, a different feel to it, which I think you don't get as much. And maybe actually, it's just the music that I listen to. I don't really listen to that much rock music like i said yeah so maybe that sort of tradition like lives on in in, in those spaces new rock groups yeah. or whatever um but yeah really really amazing sound yeah and i think it's just so cool that they're able to blend i mean because they were kind of they're obviously in the rock era but mm. they it's obviously a jazz rock fusion like you do get a lot of these jazzier sounds throughout all of their works and I think that that is something really interesting to to acknowledge and I totally see what you're saying too you know like I was watching an interview with them and it showed clips of them recording live in the Mm. studio with all of their session players and it just kind of made me think about how you know nowadays even when people collaborate I mean obviously technology has advanced so tremendously since the 70s Mm. and I think it's great that musicians are able to collaborate globally you know people can send tracks from anywhere and they can send it digitally through their computers whatever but I don't know when I was watching that interview it was really interesting to see the energy that everybody had and was able to bring to their live studio sessions Mm. because they play through the song and they record it and then at the end everyone just applauds and cheers because mm. like it was just such a fun time for them to record all together. Yeah, it's so, so it's such, such a different experience. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's so I know that when I was thinking about how I wanted to record some of these songs that I'm working on for my EP that I was like uh, I really really wanted to do something like that. Yeah. And so um, it was sort of interesting to realize how difficult it is to actually make something like that happen right you know a a live session um or it doesn't even have to be live but just to have every person record you Mm. know their instrument or whatever i just think it's so it's this kind of forgotten it feels like this sort of forgotten style of recording that i think yeah really really lends itself to this album yeah and throughout i mean i just I really liked it. I I thought it was really, really innovative in its lyricism. I felt like the music was um, deceptively upbeat in a way that I thought really contrasted 
what was actually going on, what they were actually talking about. Right. Um, and, you know, you kind of talked about it being humorous, and I saw that for sure, but to me, there was so much morbidity, and it was so... Right, yeah. It's so dark, and there is, like, it's it plays on it, but it's almost... For me, it was hard to even laugh at sometimes, because I was like, oh, wow, this is, you know... Um, when in Dr. Wu, for example, talking about his addiction or right. in everyone's, what's it called? Everyone's at the movies. Yeah. Everyone's everyone gone, gone everyone, to the movie. Yeah. You know, like what is literally it? Everyone's a song gone to the movies, yeah. about a pedophile. Yeah, I know. That know? one was like, it was just, <laughs> and it's, I know what you mean. But it's so catchy and fun and it's sardonic and kind of in your face. And I thought that was so interesting that contrast and i was reading about how some uh cinema managers and stuff when this first came out (laughs) played that snippet of everyone's gone to the movies whatever like we're finally alone um the chorus or whatever played it for the movies but anyone really thinking about too deeply about what (laughs) what it was actually about which is this lepage showing yeah this man showing um like young boys porn films you know yeah and just kind of (laughs) yeah being it's so disturbing but it's (laughs) but it's so brilliantly done it's you know it's really yeah well i mean i i agree and i think that's that's really their greatest talent you know is being able to tackle these like you said extremely morbid and equally sardonic lyrics and topics but i think in the the ways in which they compose their music it almost disguises mm. the deeper meaning and i think i mean i think in a way like i said earlier i think that's maybe a way for them to tell their audience to not take things so seriously mm. um but once again they still leave room for you to be able to like analyze the lyrics a little bit more mm. if you choose to do that but there's this duality i think where you can really decide what you want to listen to when you're listening to their music. Mm. Well, I was reading a lot about coded lyricism, and um, so I might just completely be talking out of my ass, but I... (laughs) (laughs) But I... I love doing that. (laughs) But I was reading about, you know, the the music of the 60s and early Mm. 70s was so rooted in escapism, you know? Yeah. Um, And so a lot of music was written, as I understand, for it to be... Uh, a vehicle through which a, a listener can escape and mm. you know sort of place themselves in another reality and what's interesting about Steely Dan that uh, I don't know where I was reading this essay but yeah, this guy was talking about how Steely Dan specifically with some of these songs on this album they use specifics in their lyrics they reference specific people specific historical right. events historical events um, specific places um, and so in doing so, it, the music is escapist, but mm. you're actually not able to fully escape because they are specifically writing an experience that isn't yours. And instead of sort of sitting and and imagining yourself as the protagonist of one of these songs, you're sort of forced to look at it from the outside. You can't oh, actually like an, place an, your, an objective standpoint. Yeah, you can't place yourself in it because it's so it's such a specific experience that you can't you don't have knowledge mm. of those events in a way that um, lends itself to like escaping or whatever. So that's so interesting. Yeah. So it like really goes against the, that escapist mentality from from that yeah. era or whatever. Um, that's so interesting to yeah. me because I mean 
this thought is just coming through my head right now, so <laughs> excuse me if it's a bit rambly, but I was just thinking about now, have, with you having mentioned that, now thinking about more mainstream music, or even just, I don't know, more modern contemporary lyricism, right. and I feel like so many people find themselves in music and find themselves in lyrics that artists produce, mm-hmm. and you know, you can imagine yourself in a lot of songs that artists today produce Mm. and you can kind of create these narratives in your head. But to me, it's interesting that they're able to do it in such a specific way that almost doesn't allow you to conform to their lyrics, if that Mm. makes any sense. It's, yeah, it's, you know, sometimes when I write music, I, which I obviously am, I'm just sort of starting out with. I've talked about it a bit on this podcast, but, um, and even listening to other artists, you, you, sometimes I write a song and I'm like, this is such a, um, it, it feels really honest, but it's mm-hmm. also the, the lyrical content is so general right. that it's something that someone, someone could really easily place themselves in. Mm-hmm. And then at other times I will be writing and it's so specific that, um, that you really couldn't really place yourself in it and there's tons of artists that come to mind that are writing right now even that you're like you can you can see it and you can relate and empathize but you can't actually escape into it and place it. yourself into yeah. their into their songs and that's interesting they're both really val like valid experiences yeah exactly t- types of music making and i think different listeners crave different directions mm-hmm. in which they want their music to take them so i feel like To me, it's just interesting because I feel like that is something that a person who writes music can't necessarily decide. Like, you can't decide how your listeners are going to hear your song and how they're going to place themselves in your music. Mm. But to me, it just seems like Steely Dan so perfectly understood how to do that with their lyrics. They understood how to, like, not allow their listeners to really sit and place themselves as the protagonist in their songs. So, I don't know. It's... I'm sure there is music like that today. Maybe not really music that I listen to, mm-hmm. but I think they definitely have a very keen sense of how they're very aware of do, how to do that of what the audience of their relationship to their audience. And there's moments through Katie Lied that you are just kind of a spectator, right? And then <clears throat> there's moments where you are able to sort of place yourself in the song, yeah. Um, where the they broaden the lyrical scope a little mm. bit and suddenly you're able to um, resonate a lot more with the text and then they kind of like tighten it up again and it's back to the sort of like myopic like really hyper singular experience yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought it was really fascinating the way that they played with that and yeah. how um, how you weren't ever really sure <laughs> where you stood in terms of finding yourself within and outside of their music yeah like i i felt like because of that it it felt really cinematic to me the album it was really cinematic yeah, not just because sure. they have a song called everyone everyone's gone <laughs> to the movies it but it was kind of like broad like it i didn't get film as much as theater <laughs> not yeah it was no like i know what you mean yeah it's like, it literally broadway also silly dan musical <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> i mean yeah and also Literally just because it, it seems... I wrote in, in my notes somewhere that it was so um, 
you know, reflective of New York and being in New York City. So I definitely do understand that sort of more Broadway musical theater show tune-y vibe maybe that you got from it. Well, I think a lot of uh, theater kids, (laughs) I think think a lot of theater kids, uh, they're introduction to rock music <laughs> is through rock musicals God. so which is no that's totally valid like <laughs> yeah, I, I saw rock of ages when i was at the nac and i Rocky was horror. i was yeah i was literally vibing so hard it was you know right no and it's it, <laughs> it is valid like, you're right want, it was like aerosmith and like <laughs> shit and i was like wow okay green, so green day is, the musical yeah literally <laughs> but um yeah so it's just i think for me anyway having listened to maybe a couple rock musicians here and there, but then that it's not even specific artists. It's like the genre to me is very reminiscent of, you know, of, um, of some musicals that I've been a part of or that I've heard. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. I was really interested in that New York sound. It really fascinated me. And when I was like reading up more about them, Apparently, someone, I forget who, described them as, like, the perfect beatniks, which I don't know if you've ever heard that term. Okay, I've heard beatnik. Yeah, but, like, it was all about them. They were kind of, like, Steely Dan, where they essentially were, like, the embodiment of the beat generation, which were, like, all these people who were very, you know, like, anti-conformist artist youths in New York, and they would, like create music in their like dorm room with their black turtlenecks on and they would be like smoking pot and doing like coke and stuff lena dunham talks about steely dan in her book i I know i need to read it (laughs) what did she have to say about them um our queen she was saying she was like you don't it was i think she was talking about oh god i don't know if it's accurate i think she was talking about um like men her experience with guys and she was specifically talking about how you don't have to um you don't have to sit and listen to a guy ramble about which is his favorite steely dan album <laughs> <laughs> at like three in the morning and yeah i was like okay i think there are it. definitely guys today who try to adopt the beatnik oh my god totally. mentality i mean i feel like i'm tr- i'm a beatnik i feel like i want to be a beatnik What's deep down? What's like modern day beatnik? <laughs> They're kind of like hipstery, like hipsters who Hyper-pop. they. <laughs> no, they just like I feel like they're. I have just read about this, so I'm definitely not that versed in the definition of beatniks or we the beat get generation. An expert to come in and, and talk, talk about, about the beat generation. No, like I'd really be interested to hear what you know, what the the music what that culture was like you know what it's what so it like interesting in to me to, do we know any anyone i don't know <laughs> my dad yeah <laughs> we'll not in new york city but we'll on the pod. an avid steely dan fan yeah um just yeah to, like elucidate what that culture was like yeah it's so it's so like mysterious i mean to, to me. me it just seems like the the beat generation was so involved with like you know trading clothing and like trading these like cool little like nicks and like doodads or whatever and they wanted to get this like very sort of immersive experience almost so it was like yeah. everyone had this very particular like i just feel like thrifting and like that sort wow. of i mean we still do that so maybe are we beatniks that's why i genuinely think i'm a beatnik it's i don't know I buy thrifted pants um wow 
UN. Yeah, no. I mean, it's definitely not just about the items you buy or the items you own. Like, mm-hmm. that's not what the entire generation is, is, you know, what it involves. But I just think it's it's more so about a personality and, like, how people acted and especially how artists created their art. Mm-hmm. Um, and the two of them were, like, they would literally... I mean, that was what they did. They would just sit in their dorm room together and write songs. Yeah, I think... And they wouldn't leave. That was just, like, where they wrote their music. It's interesting for them to... I don't know whether it was common. I have so many questions. Like, was it common for artists to to be studio musicians at the time? Or I feel feel like like more more normal for people to want to tour. Yeah. So how many... Are there a lot of other studio musicians? Like, I just... I have... It's so interesting that they were so um, averse to performing live. Yeah, and, like, perhaps that those sort of generational tendencies translated to how they decided to perform as musicians because maybe that's why they didn't like playing live and Mm. playing in front of audiences because that was how they originally wrote their music was just in isolation of everybody. So maybe they just preferred to produce their music in that way. Well, apparently... It's just my guess. They seem to be very, like, specific about what they want. and Yeah, they're kind of scary. Yeah, because I was reading uh, that um, apparently they weren't even happy with the final mix of Katie Lied. Oh, really? Yeah. No way. Because (laughs) there was, like, this... They used uh, this noise reducer... That apparently gave it a weird sound to them, and so I could not hear that in the, the yeah, recording. I was, like, I was like, "This sounds great," <laughs> um, but they seem to be very specific about not only how their music is recorded mm-hmm. and how it's mixed and all that kind of stuff, but um, you know, it, in what environment that's done, and right. you know, specific tools that they they use, um, mixing tools and production tools and stuff. Mm. It's so different. Like, what was it like to I know. record an Holy album shit. in 1975? Because now it's like you just click. Yeah, you can record buy a mic, you on know? your like yeah. whatever software you use, and you can add tracks. But it must have been so, so different. I mean, I, I guess mean, obviously, if but you're you know most musicians make money off of touring now, right? Yeah, isn't that where most or yeah? I think touring is like how you make money as a musician because i guess so you don't make any money on streams no even if you're like ariana grande you make like you know not that much. i mean it's negligible compared to how much you would make if you were selling cds and and lps yeah um yeah but i just i wonder i'm like is that coming back well so my thinking is that if you're recording an album specifically to be listened to because you know that Mm -hmm. you're never going to tour live you're going to put much more thought into every aspect of the production right. to create a final product that is comparable to a live recording. Mm. Um, especially if you're doing a, like a vinyl press. Because you can't really make up for it yeah, in exactly. any other way. Versus, you know, uh, an artist that's recording today is probably going to be doing a lot of touring. Right. I mean, obviously not in COVID, but, you know, but before in this. The near future, yeah, right. They do a lot of touring. You know, artists go on tours. Even, you know, reading about their tours that they would undertake i mean like i think the idea in to me it seems like the idea of a beyonce tour that is like <laughs> 400 concerts across the world over two years or some shit like there's massive yeah. concert tours i think even the idea of doing something <laughs> like that is bizarre and 
would have been bizarre then because the tours are usually mm. short you know um you know a specific to specific locations right. or do like a couple locations in the united states or yeah. a couple shows in europe but um but because uh, yeah i think i think that if you're making music knowing that you're going to be touring it a ton you're probably not as concerned like obviously there is you obviously you still want a good final product right but if you know that that's the only way people are going to hear your music is through your vinyl or whatever through a cd you're going to make it you're going to work so much harder right to, or be so much more specific and detailed mm. um and sort of type a about every decision on the album because you know that that's how it's going to be consumed right and perhaps maybe that's why they give off this very kind of perfectionist vibe when you i mean yeah. when you hear them speak it, it really does seem like that especially donald fagan like he i don't know he just seems like someone you don't want to fuck with really um but he's the one who's still alive right yeah walter becker passed away in 2017 oh. i think he had esophageal cancer <laughs> come on wikipedia <laughs> yeah <laughs> also i don't know how to say that word but yeah um that can happen if you have really bad acid reflux well then stop eating tomatoes <laughs> to tell you um yeah me as i drink we're drinking um mayan hot mayan chocolate, hot it's, so chocolate. Spicy. it's really spicy hot chocolate it tastes like we're just drinking like melted acid. chocolate chips um, <laughs> spicy melted <laughs> chocolate chips yeah no but i definitely i definitely see what you mean did you have any favorite songs yeah, I mean, I loved, um, I love Daddy Don't Live in That New York City No More. I def- I really? think I, okay, I knew so that one, okay. I think. Like, my dad has definitely played that for me. I also really liked, um, I mean, I loved Bad Sneakers was really, I liked the first four. They really, like, Black Friday, Bad Sneakers, Rose Darling, and Daddy Don't Live in That NYC. Huh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I liked ev- everything else too. I really liked Doctor Wu as well, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they did have a lot of Latin influence too, which I know that they yeah. include yeah. into their music. But I did feel uh, there was a lot of Latin influence in this album specifically. They were into very apparently really into Afro Cuban, mm. um, those sort of musical idioms, and they cool. included a lot of them. Yeah, how about you? Which ones um, did you like? I loved Black Friday too. Yeah, I thought it was so fun. And then I really liked Everyone's Gone to the Movies, the pedophile Yeah, we love pedophilia. <laughs> um, uh, no, it was so much more than that. It was, I mean, obviously, but it was really good. And then I really liked Your Gold Teeth, too. Yeah. I really liked that one. It felt very different from the rest of the album. Yeah. It was sort of, you know, it came out of nowhere. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that one. And then Dr. Wu, as well. Yeah. I thought it was really good. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, I feel like a lot of, nothing in this album, I think Rose Darling was maybe the slower, like, one of the slower songs that they mm-hmm. had on this album, but I wrote that, like, I I just think it's so interesting, and I think you maybe mentioned this, but they have this really keen sense and this really, you know, strong ability to make upbeat songs still really intimate and connected mm-hmm. with their listeners. Yeah, definitely. So it's not like oh, it's upbeat, you don't have to listen to a single thing, and you, you can just let it fly past you. No, it's like, it it really does kind of connect you and ground you as a listener, I feel. And they just, again, they have, that's a huge strength of theirs. Yeah, they had, I thought, musically, I mean, harmonically was very interesting. Mm-hmm. 
I think a lot of the time when you think about rock music, you think of like a one four five one kind of situation. Yeah, and then it's or like a, crazy and chaotic. Well, no, that it's just like that's very that <laughs> my hot chocolate. <laughs> sipping your hot chocolate. My metal um, straw. That I was thinking that it's interesting that um their music to me harmonically it felt more complex than what I'd expected. Mm. There were so many moments where you expected it to go a certain way and it didn't or where the harmonies just sort of really pushed on those established boundaries you know my perceived established boundaries of totally of rock music um so i thought that was really interesting that there Mm -hmm. was so much like i still to me was really mostly drawn to the lyricism but there were these moments of um, you know, some of the solos um, or some of the choruses were just, they, they really took it in a different direction than I'd <clears throat> assumed they would go. Yeah. Um, and that was really interesting. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. I thought it really made the listening experience much more, um, I don't know, it was, it was exciting to, yeah. to, to wonder where they were going to go next. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Definitely. I don't know, that's... <laughs> I feel like that's my whole stream of consciousness on Steely Dan. Yeah, I'm excited to listen to... I'm probably going to try to listen to a couple more of their records yeah. to see. With, well, we know. can talk to my dad about it. In yeah, person. exactly. In BC. Yeah. We're going to blast that Steely Dan all, Katie lied. all winter break. All Christmas. Yeah. Cute. Um, yeah, do you have any final, final words about our men? I... No, that that was it. I really it was liked great. Them. It was I great. really I loved it. Yeah, so much. I'll probably revisit a couple of them. I'm definitely gonna listen to it on the plane today. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a person who listens to rock music. Me and this too. Was like my first step. Yeah, and I think Steel Dan is just so accessible, especially for people who definitely. really appreciate music. Yeah, it's and like yeah, and the goofy lyrics, as we already said, but they're just really dope. I really enjoy them mm-hmm. and their music. Yeah. So this is this has become a fave of mine. It's added to the Spotify album library. Oh my god, that's um, it. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, anyways, thank you, Dad, thank for you. your recommendation. Yeah. Um, we really appreciate it, and it was fun to listen to them. Yeah. Do we know what we're listening to next week? Are we listening to? I I don't know. Who... It's your it's your person. Is it my person? Wait, let me find. I made a list on my phone. Wait fill time while I um <laughs> okay I think we're listening to like um like um <laughs> that's how I fill my time yeah um this album called Apol- Apollonio by Omar Apollo oh let me look it up I've never heard of it um it's new which is great we're going we're going from 1975 all the way back to 2020 a Mexican American singer songwriter. Sick. Um, yeah, this is um, my friend Art. He recommended this album. He's introduced me to a lot of <laughs> good music. Sweet. So I'm very. So I, I think I, we'll like the next one. Yeah, he, too. Has, he listens to all this like gangster rap and stuff. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> really, I don't particularly we're really like gonna that throw one. Ourselves into it. This isn't gangster rap. I don't think it's like gangster rap. Gangster rap. Um, <laughs> But yeah, anyway, I'm excited to review that. And then I think we're probably going to do an episode with your sister or something. Yeah, um, I haven't asked you yet, but yes. Marina, will you 
record an yeah, episode yeah. with us. We need to have a guest. It's time to have yeah, a guest, been, I think. It's time. No, it's everyone's time. so tired. We're so tired of talking so with each other. We're um, constantly talking. Anyway. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you've, made it, if you've far, made it this far. Our loyal... We have a couple loyal listeners. Listeners. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. I've been checking every week. <laughs> um, anyways, go put on some Steely Dan cozy up in this disgusting gloomy weather true smoke a joint if you want to really embody your beat generation vibes yeah. and well wear your they, black were, they were doing lsd let's be honest yeah but. probably <laughs> anyways do all of those things and enjoy your december sweet okay bye bye <laughs>